Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Uh, thank you very much for having me today uh, and, and welcome to my podcast. Uh, I'm very honored that you're here. Um, I am going to start a new series today. It is on Vedas, Dharma and uh, what we call Hinduism. Um, as you know, I am an ex-Christian. Uh, I left my uh, faith, um, colonial empire as they would say, um, and I had to re-study, re- was, I was reborn again. I had to re-study uh, and self-study uh, the knowledge of my ancestors that were taken, was taken away from me. And I spent many, many years and decades doing this. And on my own, I self-studied about Dharma, about the Vedas, um, and uh, history of Bharat. So I'm going to go through, go through the series on, on what I have researched um, and put it to you together in some short chapters. Uh, hopefully you can understand it. If you have any any suggestions to make to me on, on, on the Vedas, any books you want me to read, I will be happy to do it because I am a, a born-again, as they would say, Bharatiya. Uh, my soul never left. Uh, they took my label away. They took my culture. They took my... They cancelled my knowledge but it came back. They couldn't take my soul. And here I am, my friends, and we, so we are going to start with uh, the Vedas, Dharma, and Hinduism. Um, so let's start right away. Um, to understand the above title, you have to understand the history of the Indian subcontinent. Her ancient name of the land is Bharat or Bharata. Uh, or Bharatvarsh. The first part of this, this word Bharat is still used even today. In Hindi, one of the main official languages, our name is still Bharat. It's still imprinted on the Indian passports and on official documents. Bharata is a Sanskrit word. Bha signifies a balanced or magnetic feeling, uh, magnetic resonance. Ra comes from the word Raga, signifying a melody's framework or structure, and ta comes from tala, signifying rhythmic cycles. The Indian subcontinent is a vortex. Bharata signifies the magnetic residence of her rhythm and cycles. In Hindi, her citizens are called Bharatiya, meaning Bharat, of which English connotation is Indian. India is the official Latin name for Bharat. It comes from the Greek word indike and Latin India. The Union of India is known in the constitution, has one official language that is Hindi. English is the use as the official language of administration on passports and India officially recognizes 22 regional languages. Um, I've uh, said this before in some other chapters but I'm going through this all again only for Dharma. Okay, uh, so we're just going to concentrate on Dharma and the Vedas uh, and Bharat history um, in this chapter. Now, so um, don't worry if you've heard this before, this is just a little bit more elaborated. So when the invasion started in around 500 BCE, uh, as per our knowledge in hand, the invaders called us Hindus or Sindhus. The term, sapt, uh, the term comes from the word Sapt Sindhava, 
um, commonly known in modern linguistics as Sapta Sindhu. Sapta means seven. Sindhu means water or river or in the broader sense, the body of water. And so that's why you'll always hear me saying Hindu, Hindutva. That means Hindu means water, comes from the word Sin. Sin means water or body of water. So when we say Hind, Al-Hind, Hindu, Hindustan, we are actually talking about water. We're not just talking about a name. Remember when we say, people say, ah, oh, Hindutva, it's an ideology. Hind is water or a body of water. So we are, we are talking about the currents that form the waves, Hindutva, Atva, all that lies in between, Hind, the body of water. So in, our, in, in, in modern linguistics, we're talking, trying to understand the currents that form our waves. You see, in North India, the land that is today shared by India and Pakistan is a land where seven rivers pass through. Rivers that originate in the Himalayas and flow into the Arabian Sea. They are the Indus, the ancient Saraswati, the Jhelum, the Chenab, the Ravi, the Bias, the Sutlej. And historians debate the names of the rivers as there are many rivers flowing in this region with its innumerable tributaries. The Persians and the Greeks uh, were the first to come. Um, the history um, in, in history that we know they came to the Hindu Kush mountains. They came in contact with people living beyond the seven rivers, one of which was the mighty river Indus that is still that still exists today. They called the natives Hindus, which then became Sindhus, or those living beyond the body of water. The Arabs would come later in 711 AD, could not pronounce the alphabet S, the Hindus, the Sindhus, and that became Hindu. So Hindu actually means body of water. Um, the land that's surrounded by water. Now, to go back to Sapta Sindhu, the seven rivers or seven bodies of water, in broader sense, this also means the entire land that is the Indian subcontinent, also known as Bharat, which lies around the water. So in the north, we have seven rivers, which is which, with the innumerable tributaries. In the south, we have the Indian Ocean. In the east, you have the Bay of Bengal. And in the west, you have the Arabian Sea. Thus, the... Thus, Indian, the Indian subcontinent, is surrounded by water, sea, and thereby Sindhu. Um, water is very important in our way of life, but more importantly, water is a good conductor of energy and our connection to it. Therefore, they say the Vedas were bought by foreign invading Aryan invaders um, is really stupid and ignorant. Water is, as mentioned earlier, is a very good conductor of energy. Hence, as per our ancient texts or epics, we are called the Mahabharat. Maha means great and Bharat means land. That's the great land, Mahabharata, surrounded by water. As the people of this land were blessed with the ability to rejuvenate themselves with water resources, this will will lead to great ability in using and enhancing our electromagnetic field and molecular makeup to its maximum, thus producing the best results and ultimate outcome, or should I say the golden outcome. In ancient times, we were known as Swarnabhumi, 
Swarna means gold and Bhumi means land. So a land of gold. There was so much gold in India, jewels, diamonds and wealth that the world came to our doorstep to do commerce, to trade and the Indian subcontinent was laden with gold. The reason for this was our ancients were aware of this knowledge of our electromagnetic field and how it works. But when the knowledge left us, we forgot the science. The ignorance and disconnect from our source led to the poverty on the inside, which led to the poverty on the outside. Even today, Indians like gold, a modern-day symbol of wealth. Today, however, it is just material and the knowledge of uh, continuity of, and synchronicity. Although today we have lost the knowledge, we will still, unfortunately, stick to gold as a material symbol. As we lost our knowledge over time, ignorance turned to poverty. This change from the turbulence, this change to the turbulence and the conflict it produced, took over our lives. Invading armies came right through the door of the subcontinent that we left open. They called us Hindus. The land they occupied was Hindustan. The suffix "stan" is a Sanskrit word meaning place. Hence, Hindustan was in land was the land. Of Hindus, where its inhabitants were also called Hindustani. It's not Persian by a long shot. The Persian empires colonized areas around the Indus Indus Valley civilization, which were Dharmic and absorbed the languages and heritage of the region of the region. The term Hinduism was not a religious term and it only came with the British. Nor were the people of followers of a religion, but a term denoting the inhabitants of the region of Hindustan. So in reality, there's no word Hinduism. It's an English word. Very much like the people who live in Canada are called Canadians. There was no religion. Hinduism did not exist. There is no word Hindus or Hindustan, nor Hindustan in any ancient text. It was thus a term coined by the locals to explain the subcontinent to the refugees and invading armies who came from the outside the subcontinent. Who came to the sub they who came did not understand who we were. The concept of institutionalized religion did not occur. Sometimes Hindu is a term used to denote the wider Indic civilization up, up till the Far East. Uh, the modern concept of Hinduism is a collection of ancient Vedic knowledge, philosophies, history, architecture, archaeology, all culminating into who we are today. It's not an invading culture or force. It is portrayed as among Abrahamic religions, but a great vortex of people of the planet who graced her shores and refugees who came to her for shelter and help. Unlike Abrahamic colonial empires, who converted their feudalism into a faith in religion, the people of Hindustan are allergic to the fact that, that you want to convert a land and its history into a religion. You cannot convert a land into a religious faith, blind or otherwise, to suit your ignorance. Um, so I'm just going to go to um, another concept within uh, Hindus, within the history. Uh, as the astronomical cycles of our planet change, bringing us, bringing us into the current precession cycle, Earth civilization lost the knowledge of astronomy. This meant we lost our knowledge. The lack of knowledge and alignment meant that we were always in turbulence. 
Violence led to wars, and we slowly lost our freedoms all over the planet. The region along the equator would have stayed nomadic for the longest time during to, during the, due to the Arab desert conditions and the difficulty in accessing this land. Around 6000 BCE, the climate changed along the equatorial belt. People who went from living in tropical forests to desert lands dispersed. The equatorial belt, also Africa and the Middle East, broke down into Semitic clans tribes as well as Aramaic and Abrahamic kingdoms, empires and forgot our connection to each other. The time gap between different geomagnetic cycles being shorter around latitude, zero. The turbulence of the people who inhabited these regions never cease. They never did find the ability to gain back their knowledge and connect the dots. At every important point, I like to bring about that this at, at this very important point, I would like to bring about uh, that something that, has, that I've spoken before. We as a species are, of flora and fauna of the planet are the cosmos. So we are all the cosmos. At our core, we are the cosmos. We are not physical as you think we are. We are cosmic energy. Our metaphysical cycle flows as the cosmos flows. That means we move and travel in, and migrate in orbits. If you look at a meteorological map, you will see an isothermal map on a screen. Basically, you will see circles of vortexes. Human beings travel or follow the same pattern. We move in orbits. When we migrate from one region to another, we assimilate into the land in a tapestry of layers, integrating layer upon layer at one time, layer at a time, layer upon layer. Every land on the planet is the same. When it comes to migration of flora and fauna, we say the species of life on the planet is a migratory species. Um, the land with everything to offer. That is why when Christopher Columbus landed in America, he thought he landed in India and he called the natives Indian. The subcontinent has, has been the crossroads of civilization. She has welcomed refugees, slaves for a thousand years, runaways and migrants, workers. The force of her knowledge was enough to absorb all the refugees of the region, the planet, if any. Ever since the last procession cycle, when our, um, when our cycle has been on descent, this land called Bharat has been welcoming refugees, as well as many species of life on the planet. Given the arid desert climate to the west in the Arabian desert and Sahara, not forgetting the desert in Central Asia. Ancient Bharat came, became the savior of the entire region. With her riches, agriculture, water, rivers, mountains, and natural resources, she took in refugees from all natural calamities of the Middle East. The climate changed as well as the slaves who escaped those who bought by different empires. Every orbital cycle brought in thousands and thousands of refugees looking for a place to rest her weary head. They came to this land we call Bharat for, for hope and in search of a second chance. That dignity of human life and that respite from slavery. She healed their wounds. She gave them knowledge to empower and resurrect their beleaguered lives. Carry on their journey to stay on to be one of her currents. As they passed through the multiple layers of tapestry from the subcontinent, they learned from her ancient knowledge given by her Vedas. At the last bastion of freedom and hope, descended into the, from the ancient world, the land of the free.
a land where you can embrace who you are, who you were, and align with the currents to form those free-flowing ways. However, she took in too many refugees and too fast. By the time these refugees had any chance to settle down, they formed communities, clans, groups, and recreated their lives in the new homeland of Bharat, in the image of the lands they left behind. These groups became bigger and bigger as more and more refugees came in, using the resources of the Indian subcontinent and not in integrating into a currents. They lived their lives on the fringes of society. The more the ethnic balance on the ground changed in their favor, the more they had, they had um, become forceful and the more uh, regressive and aggressive they became. They imposed themselves on the people of the land who welcomed them and those who had already assimilated. The locals and the earlier generations of society who assimilated, assimilated were too accommodating. They gave them too much of space and went over backwards. Thus, in the bargain, they let go of their dignity to accommodate new refugees, thereby becoming the slaves of the newcomers. To transmit their ancient knowledge, the locals would have developed parables to explain the science to the, uh, to, um, to the layers of newcomers who came to the land with various orbital cycles of our cosmic climate. These parables became rituals. These generations of locals and those who assimilated became what is known as ritualistic in their approach. In order to transmit and later protect their ancient knowledge, as the locals began losing out with the influx of migrants, these rituals became institutionalized. These institutions they then cause friction, which is normal when you have groups of fighting to control the wealth of her knowledge, the land, her human capital, and to grab all of it for security and power. In the end, you will get a scramble for power, which is exactly what happened. They form clans, tribes, kingdoms, empires. Now we have countries. While we don't have the knowledge of every group or individual that came to the land we call Bharat today, we know that migrations and invasions do not happen in a vacuum. One never goes to one's land, another's land, for love and fresh air, but to gain from the host of knowledge and resources which the migrant lacks. To gain from its resources such as food, water, education and security, all of which goes into scarcity because of climate changes, geological, geographical catastrophes. This leads to a scramble for the few resources left over. War, conflict and genocide follows. This leads to migration, refugees and slavery. On the Indian subcontinent, we know that with the drying up of the Saraswati River in 2200 BCE to 1900 BCE, there was a migration in all directions to escape that climate change. However, the important event that brought about the migration in the opposite direction was the Minonian uh, eruption of Tierra, a Greek island in the Aegean Sea, now called Santorini. The islands of Tierra sits on two fault lines, the Kameni fault line and the Colombo fault line, um, which runs to the Sinai Desert. Uh, today, it is referred to at times as the Santorini volcanic eruption of the second millennium BCE, between 642 and 1540 BCE. 
This eruption is said to have been multiple times stronger than the 1883 volcanic eruption of Karakota in Indonesia, causing massive devastation along the fault line below the volcano. Uh, this means the region uh, around were virtually uh, this meant the regions around were virtually covered with ash, while the agricultural, human, and animal patterns were devastated. This devastation occurred around the islands of the Aegean Sea. Egypt, the Sinai, the Levant, and surrounding areas of southern Europe. In such a scenario, the only other water delta and an agricultural basin beyond this area of devastation was the Indus Valley Civilization and beyond. Um, the area around the Levant, the Sinai, was inhabited mostly by Aramaic or Aramea-speaking people, a Semitic language group, some of whom went on to form the Hebrew uh, kingdom of Israel, formerly Canaan. Some moved to the Indian subcontinent of Bharat. This migration of people during this period, time period, a little before and after, is the time period given by the Abrahamic establishments who control the rhetoric, along with their local Indian bobblehead alliances on the ground. Thus, it was not for an Aryan invasion or Arya migration. This was an Aramaya or Aramaic migration, people who were destitute, broken, enslaved refugees. They had next to nothing in knowledge or ideology to carry themselves. They were not Iranian, nor proto-Iranian. These people were given a home by the inhabitants of the Indian subcontinent, and a place to rebuild their lives. Hence, there is no way that they brought the Vedas to us. It was the reverse. Try telling that to a bunch of Abrahamic descendants who believe that they are the truth, the way, the life. All because, according to their God, creation started a little less than 6,000 years ago. While there would have been many Aramaic waves of migration around the difficult, diff different climatic and geological events of the area of the Levant, a percentage of people would have assimilated into local lands with her Vedic descendants of previous procession cycles, and used her ancient knowledge to rejuvenate themselves. The assimilation of people, languages, groups, and styles form what is known as Prakrit script, which developed into the Brahmi script. The earliest dated Brahmi script was noted on the Ashoka pillar from 250 BCE. This script was formed as a synthesis of Sanskrit and Aramaic. Uh, it's ultimately gave us the language of Hindi, which is one of the main languages of India, and one of the two official languages of the government of India. This script also tells us a story and journey, which says that all of us modern South Asian people are tapestry of layers formed by descendants of ancient Vedic people, as well as Aramaic-speaking people of the Middle East. Some of us are descendants of Hebrew slaves and refugees from the time of Egypt and breakup of the kingdom of Israel. Um, as long as some migrants, as, as always, some migrants will mix and assimilate effortlessly, uh, and some with some effort. Um, some with some effort, while some will stay on the fringes of society, out of fear, shame, ignorance, and pain, trauma, and fatigue. These people form groups and are usually are used subsequently by others to run an agenda. Those people who are looking to maintain power on the inside and those who are looking on the outside and those who are on the outside looking in. 
This is to recreate power that they are on native lands, that they had on their native lands, meaning they will try and maintain their labels and boxes in ethnic communities. The longer they have held on to previous labels, the longer they have on the the longer they've held on to hope for resurrecting their empires in their new homeland, at the expense of people who welcome them. They forgot to say thank you for that second chance. They forgot to appreciate her ancient knowledge, as well as appreciate the work, the ancestors of the land, those who walked on and, and worked her soil and created and sacrificed for. They prefer to hold their noses in the air, pretend that they are holier than thou. As a result of which, these migrants from foreign lands never integrated fully into the currents and waves produced by the high and low tides. Instead, they produce tsunamis of war, conflict, and terror. When migrants and communities come to the land and disrupt a civilization on the ground by imposing their feudalism, they are called invaders. These migrants and refugees go to a land and align when migrants and refugees go to a land and in line with her existing civilization, they become one and eventually become native. There have been many invading armies that have invaded the Indian subcontinent over the thousands of millennia. The most recent ones have been the one and only true feudal religions and colonial empires and tribes of Abraham, all blamed on the Hindu. Or those that have come with precious previous generations and assimilated. Their goal was to dislodge generations of locals who came before them only to take over. Their anger towards the Hindu was reminiscent of them of the ignorance of their trauma inherited from the past struggle of the empires. They left behind. The anger of the Hindu was at the Hin uh, the anger at the Hindu was institutionalized and still carries on till today under different labels. Hunger for power and land blinded them, even though they were the ones with the begging bowl, asking for a second chance. There were some groups who had come who would have come and assimilated, contributed to her new homeland, but at the same time they kept their ancient labels. As a result, every time the cycle turned, they still remained on the outskirts or fringes of society and slowly crumbled and faded away on the inside. Imagine a merry-go-round. Instead of jumping on a horse and enjoying the ride, you stand exactly at the outer ring of the horse's rides and refuse to move. And then as the horses pass you by, each horse hits you as you are in the way. You never move and insist that you, you should decide how every horse would move around you. Even if someone offers you a hand to lift you up on a horse, you refuse as you insist on keeping your baggage accumulated from the previous merry-go-round. Ride and ride, you, you, after ride, you get hit and eventually crumble or leave. These are people who migrate from one region to another and remain in their minority boxes with, without assimilating and integrating. People who have, however, still want benefits of the synthesized society and insist that the majority have to submit instead of the reverse. Go figure. Around the world, one will see the same phenomenon. There are times, however, that the planet did not have labels and clans. The problem never arose. So you see, my friend, these uh, uh, this this part is dedicated to the rioters in the streets of India today. All those rioters trying to pretend that they are victims. They're basically what they are. They they 
for them, life is a merry-go-round. And instead of jumping on the horse and enjoying the ride of life and integrating into society, they stand on the outer ring and refuse to move. Then as the horses pass them by, each one hits them as they're on their way, and they scream, victimhood, 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 oh, we're victims from minorities. They never move and insist that they should decide how every horse should move and around them, so they want to dictate the horses. Even if someone offers them a hand to lift them up on the horse, they refuse, and they insist on keeping their baggage accumulated from the previous merry-go-rounds. You understand what I'm talking about now. Ride after ride, they get hit and eventually crumble. They scream, they scream phobia and all they leave. And these people always migrate from one region to another region in their minority boxes without assimilating and integrating. People who will never, who still want to benefit from a synthesized society and insist that the majority has to submit to them instead of the reverse. Go figure myself. This is why we have so many, uh, you know what, on the Indian subcontinent. Around the world, we see the same phenomenon. Um, So, basically, as people stay on the fringes of society, generation after generations, They get used by clans, empires, relics of empires, who use them as a stepping stone to power. Alliances were formed with fear and shame to keep them on a plantation. They become corrosive, repressive, feudalistic with the sole aim of taking over the subcontinent that our Vedic ancestors called Bharat. The various factions of Aramaic-speaking people who did not assimilate and integrate became a force to be reckoned with. At one time, they would have become the power brokers who renamed cities, towns, villages, as well as controlled the commerce around the subcontinent. With everything, the cycle changed and the power win. They became the hunted instead of the hunters. Thus, even as the British would say today, the Aryan invasion theory is absolutely rubbish. This theory was used to keep the local people subjugated by the local Indian feudal establishment along with their British allies. Today, even the British do not believe it, but our bobblehead Indian political establishment still holds onto it, only to intimidate the masses with shame and fear. Their only goal is to get rid of our Vedic heritage and replace it with Abrahamic communist Marxist ignorance. There are only three official races in the world, Caucasian, Negroid, Mongoloid. Although the concept of race is ignorant, it does not exist. There is also no evidence of archaeological proof for for any Aryan race. The story keeps shifting uh, to suit the various proponents who use this theory, only to suit their gender and camouflage their flat earth invasion theories and ignorance of history, science of the Indian subcontinent by various groups over the last 2,000 years. So that is uh, my write-up about about the short history of the Indian subcontinent, uh, going back 2,000, 3,000 years ago, uh, probably even more actually. Uh, We will go to Dharma now, okay? I'm sure you all heard of it. Dharma, it is the most beautiful word. It it ensures me, uh, heals my wounds, and I cannot tell you what it means to me. It's absolutely beautiful. The way of life in ancient Bharat was called Dharma. 
Uh, dharma has no real English translation, but it loosely translates as duty to oneself, to maintain her cosmic balance in conjunction with the geomagnetism of your land. Uh, to an eternal quest for knowledge, your duty is to, is to yourself, to introspect, take your responsibility, and make every junction into an intellectual laboratory. Your duty is to find your individual value and balance your energy. It is also your duty to understand the science of our electromagnetic field, um, the cyclic activity, the activity that makes up the sequence, whose knowledge is supposed to be handed um, down to every single citizen. Your life is an eternal quest for knowledge, a science where knowledge gained lets us be at our optimum best and produces that golden result. Science was put to us in the form of a parable. The parable went hand in hand with the science. It was a duality. The parable was meant to explain the science. In, uh, in Latin, the word science, or should I say, is scienta. So the anglicized form of, of scienta is, is science, and the Latin form is scienta. It means knowledge. Just like the Vedas mean knowledge. However, we lost the knowledge separating signs from parable. Then we institutionalized the parable, along with the refugees and foreign empires who came to the Indian subcontinent. They found the term to denote the people of the land as well as the citizens, calling them Hindus. Then they described their ideologies and ways of life, calling it Hinduism. The institutionalized parable was made up of religion, and now we have Hindustan and its followers Hindus. The word Hindu, like all labels, was meant to denote the land and tell its stories. The sequences of data, which makes up its currents, was not meant for any humans. The modern concept of Hinduism is an amalgamation of ancient philosophies and history of the land, all regrouped under one label to explain the ancient science of Dharma which are all have forgotten and are desperately trying to remember. To make a long story short, Hinduism as a result, as a religion, does not exist. The state or the ruling uh, leadership, as in the kingdoms and ruling empires, ruled over a region we call ancient Bharat or later Hindustan. They used a philosophy based on the, on the parable that explained the congregations to their congregations their dharma, each empire made their own man-made laws and used the vocabulary of the Vedas depending on the era of the requirements of time. Those laws were supposed to be aligned with geomagnetic currents of the land and to empower its congregations. It never happened, however. They forgot their scientific knowledge, used its vocabulary to camouflage her feudal agenda and became everything they were not supposed to be. Unlike the Abrahamic colonial religions, Dharma was Dharma does not have any laws, as it's a cosmic science. It is the laws of physics that make up our cosmic universe, uh, which take precedence over everything. The only duty of the state was to pass on this knowledge of cosmic science. However, the religion that has now come to be known as Hindustan, or um, the region that has now come to be known as Hindustan, man-made laws based on the interpretation of the Vedas while using the vocabulary of dharma. Uh, the man-made laws were contrary to the laws of physics and cosmos. The concept of cosmic science lost its meaning. Then we expected it to work. 
The region integrates, disintegrated into chaos of tribes, feudal entities, kingdoms, and, tri and empires. One important concept of the ancient dharma is the science of the astronomical cycles and electromagnetic field of our cosmos. Um, um, uh, it was the people uh, and people followed and aligned their metaphysical spirit and did not submit to one another. Being yourself ensured continuity, synchronicity, individuality, power from within, and most of all, peace. The moment you bow down to someone else or meant you were lost, no knowledge, violation of your synchronicity, integrity, and your continuity, which led to poverty uh, on the outside as well as, as something which we are all familiar with, violence on the outside. In Sanskrit, violence on the outside is called adharma or slavery. Adharma is a Sanskrit way of saying slavery, a life that is not led, not of your will, but by submission uh, to someone else's will. In reality, our current life on the Indian subcontinent is adharmic. It means we are ignorant slaves to one another. Translation, we are still a very feudal land. So I'm going to stop here. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I hope you understood uh, what I was trying to say. If you have any suggestions, any suggestions for any books uh, for me to read, I will love to have it. As you know, I'm an ex-Christian and my goal here was to gain as much as knowledge as possible um, and um, basically heal and rejuvenate myself, which I think I've done pretty good. Uh, sometimes there are ups and downs, but look, uh, I am so happy uh, to uh, be able to have this conversation and to do the homework. Um, this is a long chapter, I might remind you. It is about 10, you know, 10 uh, podcasts long. So we're going to go deep into it. Um, and I will be happy to take have this conversation with you. Um, you're, willing to, you're welcome to reach me by email or by Facebook, and, and I will take your suggestion uh, shortly. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to do, uh, next tomorrow, we're going to do the Vedas, and we're going to do um, the story, the Vedic story of creation, with uh, uh, the Mahavishnu, the Buddhi, the Aham, Manas, Mahatattva, uh, the first, second, third stages of, of creation. We're going to do all of that tomorrow. So stay tuned and come back uh, because we're going to have a good time and we're going to heal together. So thank you very much, everyone. Good night, good day, and peace.